You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Chief Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking to our learning stuff and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah.com, and of course, I will answer as many as I can. If you're watching on the video, you might notice something different today. Okay, look carefully, or listen loud. But in either case, um, I forgot my tie. I always wear my tie. I don't know what happened. Well, I really do know what happened. Um, I'm so happy to have teenage children. I am so happy to have teenage children that like to drive. And they're on their permits. And I'm trying to help them learn how to drive, holding for dear life onto the uh, door. And I got to, you know, I got to get out earlier. If I can leave my house, let's say I have to be in school a few minutes before 10 to 9. So I could leave my house 8.35, I could leave my house 8.40, get onto the highway, no problem. But my daughter, bless her soul, um, is not ready to drive on the highway. So we have to take the streets. And she could go a little slower, I have to speed her up. So sometimes I'm in such a rush to be out by around 8.32 so I can just make it on time. Um, I forgot my tie. But... Even without my tie, I'm sure we can figure out what's going on in this week's Torah portion. But before we start, of course, all my dedicated listeners, I know you guys love the show, and I need your help. To help the show spread, I need you to please go to my homepage. Hit that donate button, leave your name, um, I'll give you a shout out, we do a memory of, happy birthdays, and of course, in advance, I do thank you. This week's Torah portion, I would like to say one of my favorites. I teach it. This is one of the Torah portions. This is the one I start the year with, with my third grade students. So much stuff going on. We are really getting into the meat and potatoes of the beginning of the Jewish nation, of the brothers, of Joseph. We, um, we're going to sell Joseph down the river. The brothers, uh, we have Judah and the story with Tamar. We have so many things happening and uh, let's get started. Let's see what we can figure out. Let's try to work our way through the story. And uh, we'll see what uh, some of the stuff I myself have discovered most recently. In any case, so the beginning of the Torah portion starts out that we wanted to talk about Jacob. Jacob's already had a tough life. He's dealt with his brother Esau. He's dealt with his father-in-law Lavan. He's, you know, finally, he now has the 12 tribes. Uh, Rachel has died. He had the story with the rape of his daughter. He's had a lot of stuff. So Jacob is ready to sit back, study Torah, drink his pina colada, and, and just, just sit and, 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 and hang out him, God, Torah, commands, you know, just... Just, you know, it's time to retire. He's like 108 years old. Um, I should figure, yeah, that makes sense, 108 years old. 
But God says, no, Jacob, you're not done yet. There is too much that you still need to work on and accomplish in this world that you're not done. And therefore, the Torah starts out, the generations of Jacob, it says Joseph, because now we have the story of Joseph, and now we are going to begin the story of the Jewish people heading down to Egypt and for the long haul, for 210 years. That may not be really so long, but 210 years. Joseph is the most talented of all the brothers. As a matter of fact, it seems all the brothers' talents are all wrapped up in Joseph. And Jacob sees that. And Jacob loves Joseph. Perhaps he loves him most because it's Rachel's child. All he did, he wanted Rachel. Leah was a... That's because he was fooled by his father-in-law. He wanted Rachel. He wants Rachel's children. He teaches Joseph all his Torah knowledge. and Everybody gets to study. But Joseph gets the whole package. So much so, so much so, that that uh, Jacob actually makes a special coat. Okay, yeah, the, the multicolored coat. You, you've seen the Broadway uh, show or the movie, whatever it is. Um, he's treating Joseph differently. There's no question that Jacob is treating Joseph differently. Jacob understands he's the most talented, and Joseph is wearing a coat that shows leadership. Okay, the brothers from the other mother do not like that. Not only they don't like it, they're massively jealous about it. And Joseph doesn't help his own cause. He doesn't help his own cause. Anything he sees the brothers doing, he runs to his father. Oh, they're doing this thing wrong, they're doing that thing wrong. And I I truly believe that there's a major lack of communication. Joseph misunderstands. What are you running to your father for? Go to your brothers and ask them, it seems this doesn't make sense. Could you explain it to me? Now the brothers don't want to explain. Okay, fine, I, I get it. You don't want to explain then I need you to be the best you could be. I have to tell her father, what should I do? But, but he's not even asking. Now, he's young, which is also clear in the verses. He's a, he's a child. Joseph is a child. On that, there's nothing to talk about. He's a child. And uh, this fighting between the brothers and Joseph is really, what I've told you is what we see on the surface. But really, really, the brothers clearly felt, and that's going to bear itself out as we, as we talk, the brothers clearly felt that Joseph was looking to move them out of the Jewish people. As we have Abraham, we have Isaac, we have Jacob. Now what happens is now we have the 12 tribes and the Jewish people come from the 12 tribes. The brothers believed, and they had good reason to believe this, the brothers believed that Joseph was angling, Joseph was angling to get the brothers out. They could join the Jewish people, you want to convert, you want to sort of be on the side, but the real Jewish people will be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. And then from Joseph will branch out the Jewish people. That's what the brothers truly believed Joseph was trying to do. And it's hard to know what Joseph was thinking. Perhaps he also was thinking that way. So therefore, the commentaries explain that the brothers looked at this as if Joseph was trying to murder them. He had a, he's like a murderer. 
You're not murdering me physically. You're murdering me spiritually. You are not allowing me. You are pushing me out from being the beginning of the Jewish nation. Okay, that's murder. That That is where the brothers are coming from. And Joseph doesn't make it better. You know, it's fascinating when we deal with Joseph, it's all dreams. The amount of dreams that Joseph is involved in, if you think about it, is numerous. And also something to notice, all the dreams come in pairs. Joseph has two dreams we're going to talk about with the stalks of wheat and with the, and with the stars and the moon and the sun. The end of the Torah portion, we have the cup boy's dream and the baker's dream. And then in next week's Torah portion, we're going to have Pharaoh with his two dreams, with the cows and again with the stalks. So all the dreams with Joseph come in pairs, which is in itself is quite fascinating. So that's first. So Joseph has two dreams. And we could talk about the dreams if we want, but I'm not sure if we're in a rush to talk about the dreams. Uh, but the bottom line is both dreams clearly show that Joseph is going to be the, the ruler, the king over his brothers, over the Jewish people. Um, he has the, the, um, the brothers bind their grain, and then all the grain bows down to Joseph. You have Joseph talking about the stars and the moon and the sun all bowing down to him. So uh, clearly, clearly those dreams show rulership. There's no question about it. And it was understood in those days that dreams were a low-level prophecy. It wasn't a guy coming and talking to you with a clear message, but it was a message from God. So why is Joseph telling these dreams to his brothers? Like, he has to know. Joseph has to know that the brothers are unhappy with him. The brothers don't pretend that they're best friends with Joseph and then, uh, and then talk nicely to him. The brothers make it clear that we, we are not happy with you. So God gives you a private message. Very good. Why are you telling your brothers? And when the brothers hear the dream, what do the brothers think? Do they really believe it's a prophecy? If it's a prophecy, you can't start up with a prophecy. It's God. God's giving the prophecy. If God's giving the prophecy, what, do you, what are you imagining? What are you imagining if it's a prophecy? What are you thinking? So you don't believe it's a prophecy. So what is it? So Joseph understood it to be a prophecy. Joseph also understood the Talmud tells us that a dream needs to be interpreted. If you interpret a dream, it gives that, that low-level prophecy power. Joseph wants the brothers to say, you're going to be king over us. The brothers look at it totally different. There's another famous rule with dreams. Even in those days. Forget about nowadays. Nowadays, there's so much things happening in our head. Dreams have no value. But the brothers felt that you know why Joseph is dreaming that he's going to be king? Because that's what he thinks about all day long. If all day long you're thinking, I'm going to be king, I'm in charge of my brothers, I'm the most important, they're all going to bow down to me, of course they're going to dream it. So when the brothers hear Joseph say over the dream, their first reaction is, this is what you're thinking about all day? You're imagining you're going to be king over us? But they also interpreted the dream. 
So just in case it was a dream, they're not making that mistake again. And then Joseph has the second dream with the stars, the sun, the moon. So the brothers are quiet. Jacob ends up interpreting. Now Jacob is trying to calm down the brothers. Come on, he's a little boy. He's 17. Don't take it so serious. He's an orphan. His mother died. Like, who do you think the moon's going to be? It can't be his mother. So, okay, leave the kid alone. But the verse says that Jacob understands it's a dream and there is power to that dream. So what happens? So the brothers already are working. They're shepherds around the field. And Jacob does something quite unusual. You have to figure Jacob is not a fool. You see from his answer to that second dream, he knows the brothers do not get along with Joseph. He knows the brothers hate Joseph. He knows, not a fool. So the last thing that Jacob should ever do is say to the brothers, hey guys, you know, uh, I'm sending Joseph out to keep an eye on you guys. I mean, like, that's ridiculous. Like, what was Jacob thinking? And the answer was that God needs to start the process of getting the Jewish people to go down to Egypt. So God has to get into Jacob's head, send Joseph to check out uh, what's with the situation. Check it out. It doesn't make sense, but Jacob does it. Joseph, interesting enough, there's like so many nuances. You go through this Torah portion, there's so many things happening. So Joseph goes, and his father said, find them in Shechem. They weren't in Shechem anymore. They'd already moved on to a different city for the grazing, because I guess grazing can't hang out in one place. You run out of grass. So an angel comes down to hint to Joseph that this is a bad idea. Joseph says to the angel, he doesn't know it's an angel, he says, have you seen, <clears throat> have you seen my brothers? <clears throat> Sorry about that. Have you seen my brothers? So the angel answers, they have left from this. They've left from this. The angel's hinting, you think you have brothers. Unfortunately, you do not have brothers. They hate you. Joseph didn't take the hint. And he travels, he finds his brothers. As soon as they see Joseph coming, they say, that's it. They, they made their own court. You might want to call it a kangaroo court, but they made their own court with the specific point of judging Joseph. Is Joseph trying to remove us from the Jewish people? If so, he is trying to murder us, and we are allowed to kill him. And, they, and the verdict was, he has to be killed. And Joseph shows up, he sees what's going on, he begs, he pleads, N- not happening. We, sorry, we, court, court has uh, concluded, has uh, decided, has, in Hebrew we say, paskind, that uh, you deserve a death penalty. They're going to kill him. Now, even though they were all in agreement with this, but Ruvain, the oldest, knew that if he allows them to just carry out this death sentence, in the end his father's going to blame him. He's the oldest, and he knows his father will uh, be more than unhappy. So Ruvain devises a plan. He tells the brothers, it's true, it's true, he should be killed. 
Uh, let's, uh, but let's let's not our hands kill him. Let's toss him in one of these pits over here. Now, this is very debatable. Did the brothers know there were snakes and scorpions in the pit or not? Certainly, it could be assumed that there are snakes and scorpions in the middle of the desert, or the edge of the desert. Of course, there's snakes and scorpions. It doesn't mean they know for sure, but it could be a very good assumption. But Ruvain says, throw him in the pit and leave him there. He'll die. Heat, water, uh, starvation, whatever it is. But we ourselves, our hands, shouldn't actually kill him. Now, the verse tells us that Ruvain's intention was that he will... uh, that he'll come back and he'll take Joseph out of the pit when the brothers aren't around and he'll return him to his father. End of story. So the brothers do. Joseph begs, pleads, not listening. They throw Joseph in the pit there. It would seem more that they lowered him down by rope because there's a, see how it's Hanukkah time. So there's a rule on Hanukkah with, uh, on Hanukkah with the candles. The candles can't be higher than what's called 20 amos, somewhere between 30 and 40 feet. So in that same Talmud, it brings down this story that the brothers threw Joseph in the pit. The pit must have been um, that height of 20 Amos because the brothers should have noticed there are snakes and scorpions. And if the brothers would have noticed snakes and scorpions and Joseph survives. So like, what are you starting up with? On another track, they just heard a totally different angle. The brothers knew good and well there were snakes and scorpions. If the brothers knew, I think it's an Archaim, if the brothers knew good and well that there were snakes and scorpions in that pit and they take out Joseph later, why don't they say, whoa, miracle, miracle. We can't sell Joseph. Miracle, God took care of him. So the answer is that now, if you assume the miracles because Joseph's a great guy, then you're right. Then the uh, brothers should just send him home because, whoa, God's doing miracles. But what if the miracle is only done in the merit of Jacob? What if the reason Joseph survives being in the pit with snakes and scorpions is not Joseph's merit, but it's his father's merit, Jacob's Jacob's merit. Okay, Jacob's merit, he was allowed to live, but we still have a right to kill him. He's trying to he's trying to murder us. In either case, Ruvain now puts in the pit, he plans on coming back later. Ruvain has to disappear. Either some say it was Ruvain's turn to take care of his father. There was rotation, so Ruvain had to go back, take care of his father. Um, or others say that Ruvain would spend a lot of time uh, repenting for the story with moving his father's bed. That was in the last week's story portion, two weeks ago. No, last week. Sorry, last week. Um, in any case, the brothers sit down to eat. What are they sitting down to eat for? Like, he just killed your brother. I mean, really, as far as the brothers are concerned, he's dead. You put him in the pit. You have no intention of taking him out. You don't know that Ruben's coming to save him. So as far as you're concerned, whether it's snakes and scorpions in the pit, whether it's going to be starvation or out in the elements, you have killed your brother. Technically, you're mourners. If you're mourners, you, uh, you should be sitting on the floor um, officially being sad. What are you eating for? So the answer I heard last night is once you decide, if you have legally decided that this relative of yours was trying to murder you and therefore you protected yourself by killing him, 
You got to celebrate. Make a party. Guy's trying to kill me. I'm alive. I'm alive and well. Well, then, we uh, we have to eat. We have to uh, show that we uh, did everything correct. So the brothers are sitting down to eat. In the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, while the brothers are sitting down to eat, which, you know, if you think about it, it's a little psychological, when people make very strong decisions, like in this case, like murdering, or not murdering, but killing their brother, you know, you have second thoughts. Was that a good idea? Should we have done it? Was it not a good idea? Should we, shouldn't we have? Yes, no, back and forth. Judah all of a sudden decides a bad idea. And he says, you know, if the whole purpose is we don't want Joseph to hang out with Jacob to get us out of the Jewish people, we can accomplish the same thing by selling him down the river. There's a fascinating law. Um, a person comes to kill you. God forbid a person comes to kill you. Um, if the only way you can protect yourself is to blow him away, is to kill him, so of course, legally you're allowed. But what if you could save yourself by instead of killing him, but injuring him? Let's say you knew 100%. Not that, well, aim for the legs. Everybody knows that if you're shooting, aim for the legs, you're probably going to miss. Right? We're not, we're not talking about that case. We're talking about that you understand that you could injure him in such a way you are an expert uh, shot and you could just shoot the gun out of his hand. Obviously, that's not normal. But assuming for a second you knew you could do that, then legally that's what you have to do. If you could save yourself by not killing, of course you should do that. So Judah is teaching the brothers, if our whole point, if everything we're trying to accomplish over here is to make sure that Joseph is out of the picture so we stay with the Jewish people, so if you could sell him to Egypt as a slave, if that will accomplish it, so let's do that. Now, it's interesting because the brothers listen, but at the end of the day, Judah only did a half-baked saving of Joseph because Jacob will be inconsolable for the next 22 years, and the brothers will blame Judah, right? Once you're telling us to, to back out part way, you should have told us the whole way. So in the end, Judah, who technically saves Joseph, is the one that takes the blame for not going all the way. So they sell Joseph. They sell him to a traveling group of Ishmaelites, of Ishmaelim, and the commentaries mention, not the commentaries, the verse itself actually mentions, that there were beautiful smelling spices. There were beautiful spices um, in this caravan. First of all, who cares? And, uh, and I mean, we never mention what people are carrying. So the commentaries say the, you know, the Arabs always had oil. Kerosene, oil, stuff. They, I mean, this was something that was in their land. So that's what they usually traveled with, right? Because that's where they made their money. You're going to travel with oil or, or whatever you make out of it, things that can be used to, for fuel. And it smells horrible. It smells terrible. Here, Joseph is going to be traveling with a caravan that smells beautiful. It smells beautiful. So the... Um, so think about it. Joe's being sold as a slave. He's being ripped away from his family, ripped away from the father he loves, to be sold as a slave. He imagines never to see his father again. And the Torah mentions, oh, but by the way, 
even though we're sending you to jail to a you know a, a high security uh, prison, but the bus you're gonna go on is a coach bus instead of a school bus. Like, come on, like who cares? Like what? So the answer is the re- it's not so much that if I'm gonna be suffering, Joe's gonna be suffering. So you're giving him a little a little spices. It's a message to Joseph. It's true. You're being sold. You deserve to be sold. You slandered your brothers. You certainly acted as if you were taking over. Oh, and here comes the music. But it's just a message. I'm God. I'm with you, Joseph. Things are going to be tough, but at least you should know I'm with you. But there goes the music. I hope you enjoyed it. Short and sweet. Thank you, of course, to all one of the sponsors and listeners. You know, I can't do it without you. Thank you to the production team. We have David in the back. Until next time. Uh, I am Rabbi T. Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Toro on NM Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it.